What is up? Welcome back to the Surviving the Cancel podcast. It's good to have you back. Today we have on another special guest. His name is Brandon Lucero. To describe Brandon Lucero's majesty in a singular sentence, I want to read you something from Google and explain why he's so great. It says, I typed in how much money does the average American make in a lifetime? And Google told me about 1.7 million. And so our parents, if we're average people, made about will make in their entire corporate lifetime of work 1.7 million dollars. Um, Brandon Lucero made that in his last launch, and he's made similar figures in his uh, the two launches prior. Um, so he makes a lot of money on the internet, and um, he's from the New Generation Entrepreneur Podcast, by the way, but. That all goes to say, you know, he knows his stuff. Um, Brandon Lucero, alongside Frank Kern, Stephen Larson, he's a marketing mastermind. Um, he knows essentially everything there is to know about messaging, positioning, and mindset, and specifically incorporating the three into videos in order to facilitate large internet launches and build businesses on the internet and also beyond the internet. Um, but the reason I think this podcast episode is special because that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the glory days that everyone gets to see. But Brandon Lucero in this podcast episode, he goes beneath the surface and he talks a lot about the moments leading up to his highest moments. He talks about the trials rather than the crests. Um, Brandon Lucero was actually a college dropout from, I believe, UC Irvine. And there was a point in his life where he was married and working three jobs just to pay the rent, which eventually he failed to pay and began to move in with his in-laws. He moved in with his wife's parents. And during that period of time, during that stint in his life, um, his wife was actually the breadwinner and she was actually holding the family together. And because this is Surviving the Cancel podcast, he also goes into, you know, the relational and love dynamics of those moments. Because as we all know, when you're at the very bottom, when you're struggling in it, you're so emotionally turbulent, um, the relationships that you have with your family and your significant other and their friends and their family, uh, they become very dire and they begin to wilt very quickly. And sometimes that changes your opinions on love. Um, Brandon Lucero in his episode, he talks about it all, all the hard, low, dark moments leading up to his eventual freedom from it all. Um, It's a super interesting episode. Uh, I do want to say in this episode, for for some reason, it really kills me to say this, but for some reason, my microphone was not plugged in. And so the audio is recorded through my computer, and I really do apologize for that. It, you know, it's super irritating for me to even listen back to this audio and hear it come back that way when I thought it was clear audio, but you know, things happen. And um, this is Brandon's moment. So go and listen to his interview um, and hear all about his story. Also, listen to his podcast. It'll be down in the description below. New Generation Entrepreneur. Uh, without further ado, here's Brandon's interview. I thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Well, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to, to the Surviving the Cancel podcast. Um, today we have on Brandon Lacero. Um, He's a podcaster from the New Generation uh, Entrepreneur podcast. And um, he's pretty much an expert on everything, you know, messaging, positioning and mindset and how, you know, you dive into the tactics and strategies of these things to create great 
internet launches great audiences and tribes and ultimately have those things support a great business. Um, obviously a great father and husband and, and I hope a good person. <laughs> I think yeah. a good person. <laughs> I like to think, so. to, like to think so. Well, you yeah, like thanks for having me. Person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm glad it, I'm glad it comes across that way um, because that's how I do it, you know, and just, I just reveal who I am and through my content. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah, for certain, man. You seem like a man. Very, some people just got a happy origin on you. You know, Brian Lofermento, like, y'all you're just really happy people you know it seems like yeah. to me from the outside looking in but uh yeah i would agree to that so, like it's uh sorry go ahead <laughs> no you can go and i'm this is weird. <laughs> i'm just making i was just gonna so say weird. yeah i mean i mean yeah that's i feel like to be you know like a successful entrepreneur the perspective that you hold the way in which you see the world um a lot of that stuff has to do with uh, how successful you'll be. So like happiness oh. and optimism are always so important for me and being able to like shift my perspective and always find gratefulness and looking for, um, I guess that optimism in every situation is always super important because it's like, if I want to be a powerful business owner, how am I supposed to do that? If I'm like sad, upset, yeah. getting emotionally distraught over every little thing, like it just doesn't make any sense. So so yeah, I'd like generally try to be as happy as I can for sure. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, you learn so much about your emotions on this journey. Um, what is what is what is your current reality like for you now? Because I know you've gone through a lot to get here. What is it like, you know, day in and day out um, to be in the position that you're in? Yeah, I mean, I would say my life now is pretty great. Um, it's like, I, like I said, I had this realization the other day where, uh, how much my perception of the world of like really affects and influences everything. And I was looking back at my past because like my, my journey to get here has not been an easy one. It's I've been in business for, I mean, 12, 13 years. And I would say only the last three have been like to a place where I'm like, Whoa, we finally made it. Yeah. And, and I look back at those really hard times and I realize in today, like today's world or today, like my current, my present moment, I look yeah. back and I look at those hard times and I look back at it and I'm only seeing the really amazing things. Like when we were broke and my wife and I couldn't like barely pay rent. I look back at like, Oh my God, those were the days. Like we, we were so connected and we, we were like fighting this together and we were like, all like we were in sync with one unit mm -hmm. and um, it's very positive. But when I look back at my past, like five years ago, when my optimism wasn't quite where it is today, I always looked back at the hard times as like really negative. I was like, Oh my God, that was so hard. And that was those moments were like, I would never want to relive those moments and yada, yada, yada. So my current reality now, like we just talked about earlier is just very, it's very, I'm just happy, man. I'm just happy. And I'm like excited. And no matter what I see and how I look at the past or the future, it's always like through the lens. And I never realized how much the lens I currently had would affect how I viewed even the past and past experiences. And it's, it's kind of interesting and fascinating, but, but yeah, my current reality is just, it's just good. It's happy. We have a team now I'm focusing on the things I want to focus on inside of my own company, like just doing content. And that's really it. Um, spending more time with my kids and, and stuff now than I ever, I ever have before. So it's, 
I really have no complaints. It's just, it's just good, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is is there any leisure that you experience now? And you know, maybe biking or running more often. Uh, vacations that that you didn't experience back then. I mean, yeah, like we're we're definitely doing. I mean, with COVID, it kind of threw in a whole wrench in like travel. But uh, we definitely are doing a lot more traveling locally, like a lot more trips. I'm in Sedona, uh, Arizona, like every other month or every month. I just love Sedona. So we're doing that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely because of COVID, we're doing a lot more local stuff, but we're just out a lot. And it's just nice. Like when we didn't have money, we didn't have, the business wasn't really successful. We're kind of trapped. Like we're trapped to stay where we were because of resources because of money and and that's not really a, a thing anymore um which is nice i mean obviously we're not like flying private jets across the world but i wouldn't want i don't think i would want to do that anyways but yeah. we're definitely a lot more it's just freedom we just have a lot more freedom right now mm-hmm. which is really nice yeah man that's an amazing thing um you know uh i'm sure everybody listening would love to you know experience that at some point you know you 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 accomplished a, a tremendous amount you know in a launch or two or three you may gross more on that launch than many people will in their entire lifetime and you've done and accomplished a lot and that that's got to feel like you know amazing but you know with every story it wasn't always that way right so you drop out of uc irvine you know yeah. and you're working a myriad of jobs and um, day in and day out, you know, you probably experience, you know, people in your family, they tell you to go get a real job. You know, this thing isn't working. Um, you know, you've executed a, you know, a few different launches and you have the call, which if you're listening to this and you haven't had the call, you know, you got to do more. Whereas like, are we rich yet? And this is your wife under the line. You know, did did the launch work? And you're looking at the zero on the click funnels or the PayPal account. You know, what is what is you know, you're a husband and uh, a father during some of these times. What's what's going through your mind? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's the, yeah, because we've had a lot of those moments where it's just kind of like, hey, I really want to do this thing online. And I like I said, I got started like. 11 years ago in the whole online space so it's not even close to being what it is today like click funnels didn't even exist back then lead pages didn't even exist <laughs> that's back right then. like yeah it's like you're just i mean you're i mean we're literally like hand coding opt-in pages and stuff and um oh. i remember when lead pages came out it was like boom like mind blown like oh my yeah. gosh this is amazing i think i was in high school yeah yeah <laughs> it was unbelievable <laughs> um <laughs> So a lot, a lot has changed, but I knew I wanted to do this thing and you're completely right. Like we had family members, um, telling us like, go get a job. Like my mom just tell me every day, go get a job. Yeah. You should go get a job. Um, we had friends that were telling my wife, like, oh, you need to give Brandon a time limit on this business thing. If it doesn't work out by six months, he needs to go get a job. And I'm like, what, how on earth, how is that any of your business? Like, how is that? How are you even involved in our decisions? Why do you think that's okay? Um, but yeah, we had like, my, you know, like my, I had like in-laws, like sisters and sister-in-law and stuff like that all saying the same thing. Luckily for me, my parents uh, or um, parents-in-law, I guess my mother and father-in-law 
let us live in their house rent free for, for four years, which was amazing. Um, so lucky to have that opportunity. And if I had not had that opportunity, I, honestly, I don't know if where we would be right now. Um, life could have been completely different. So, so I'm so grateful for that every single day. But yeah, even with that, it was still tough. It was like, I would do all these, I would do everything everyone told you to do. I do the webinars, you would add a ton of value, yeah. give your best stuff away for free, then people will buy. And then you do that. And then all of a sudden I'd go check my PayPal account. And like you said, it was zero. And you just get this, this feeling in the pit of your stomach. And mm. I'm sure a lot of listeners know what that is. And you're just like, I've done everything. I've worked so hard on this. I don't know what I'm missing. Like, it's just so unclear. What yeah. am I missing? What am I not getting? Cause I'm doing every single freaking thing that they told me to do. And, um, it was hard to navigate that. It was hard to, cause my wife would ask me, well, how much longer are we going to keep doing this for? And for me, I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to do it until I freaking make it. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to keep dragging my wife through the mud either. And um, yeah, it, that's, that's what it felt like. It just felt like a lot of unknown of, will I make it? When will it happen? How much longer am I going to have to drag my wife through this? And then also just like, what the heck am I not seeing? because something is off and then being yeah. able to navigate and grow in that type of place. It's, it's hard. It's tough, but you know, it took a couple of years and we eventually made it out of there. And you know what, you know, the thing I was missing was um, it was just experience. Mm-hmm. It was like, there's just, you know how it is. Like you, when you ride a bike, you can read all the books in the world on how to ride a bike and you're not going to get up on the bike and go and ride. You have all the information you're doing everything. You like, you know what to do, but you still don't know how to do it. There's this like invisible art that you need to kind of learn. And that comes from experience. It comes from actually doing it. And then when you have it, you can know how to navigate those things. The conversations on webinars, you know, how to sell a little bit better. You know how to like pitch. There's a lot more confidence, your energy shifts. So that's basically what I was missing. It was just, I just had a lack of experience on how to, how to do it all. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, without a doubt. You know, I, I feel a particular connection to your story because our lives, even living with the other parents are, they pretty much align almost identically. That's, you know, that's, that's why I asked about it. And that's really the foundation of this podcast because those are the moments where you have to survive to cancel. When you're a deserter of the status quo, you decide to be someone different, you know, the status quo society will try to crush you into the shape of familiarity. And that's a hard experience for a lot of people. And so I do want to dive deep on that experience because, you know, to be sitting there and it is already so much on you mentally to launch and, and work a business to fail on your own, but to have all these different people coming in and making it worse. And even your wife's friends is like, come on now. Like, is there, um, you know, it might be cool throughout the day when you're grinding, but when things slow down and it gets quiet, you know, the pain of these experiences will come for you, you know? And so is there a series of memories or even a singular memory that you can remember that was like a, a particular low moment in what that felt like? Yeah. There's one that I don't think I'll ever forget. And I don't really talk about this a lot. I may have talked about it in my content a little bit, but um, that, actually there were two, there are two moments mm-hmm. when and I'll talk about the first, um, I'll talk about the second one first. So basically it got to a point where I was re- like researching people online and I was like following what they were doing to make money online. And back then I was um, SEOing websites and putting AdSense on the websites and, and um, I just couldn't get it to work. 
and there was someone teaching it. And I remember, I just remember wanting so bad. I said, I, I told myself like, I will do whatever I need to do. I will work whatever I'll do, whatever someone tells me to do. I will work as many hours as I need to work, but I just need to someone to kind of like guide me. And I remember reaching out to that person and they were all free con. It was all free content that they were doing. They weren't even selling any courses, all free. And then I messaged them and was like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's my stuff. Can you like, is what am I doing wrong? And I remember so badly just thinking, I need them to help me. I'm drowning here. I don't know what to do. I just need, I just like almost to the point where I wanted to cry. Mm-hmm. And, and I never got a response back from that person. I don't even remember who it was today. And I remember sitting there going like, if, if, and when I make it, I will never do that to someone. Like if I can help it, like maybe, you know, who knows, maybe my email went to spam, whatever. But I remember sitting there going like, I now have such a compassion for people in that spot because I was once there. And I know that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you just need someone to help. And even nowadays, like my time is very limited. I can't go around helping everyone for free. So at least what I'll do is I'll, I'll at least respond, give something like some kind of inspiring, whatever, tell my story, encourage them or point them to a free resource or, or something like that. So anytime I come across those, I never, ever just ignore it. Um, the second moment was my wife and I were walking on the beach and this was a really important beach for us because this is where the beach that I asked her to prom. It was also the beach that I asked her to marry me. And uh, we've been together since we were 15 and 16 and I'm 37 now. So we've been together for 21 years. And, um, I remember walking on the beach. Yeah. Thank you. And we were, we were talking about the business stuff and it was like, she didn't want to live with her in-laws or her parents, uh, which I understand. And she was like, how much longer are we going to do this? I want to start a family and I want to do all this stuff. Like how much longer? And I remember just breaking down and crying and just going like, I don't know. I don't know how much longer, but I know I don't want to go get a job that will literally kill me on the inside. If I spend the next 40 years of my life working nine to five, only having two weeks off that entire year to myself, that will literally kill me on the inside. And I'm sorry, because I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know why it's not working, but I know that I will eventually get it. And that to me, I think was the lowest moment because it was like a full on breakdown of me in tears you know, like with my wife holding me up and it yeah. was like, no, I'm like, you know, and society told us, well, you're supposed to be the strong one. You're supposed to be the husband. Your wife should be crying to you and you should. And like, it was like, no, it was a complete reversal. And it was just, you know, I just, just had a complete breakdown and it was, you know, it was freeing. And I'm so grateful to have a wife that supported mm-hmm. me through it all, you know, like that. But I would say that was probably the, one of the lowest moments that I've ever had in and toughest moments in entrepreneurship because I had been doing it for a couple of years and I'm like, I should have this figured out by now, but I didn't, I still was just as lost as day, day one. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, like I said, I can relate to the experience, man, for, for sure. Like, that's gotta be tough. And, you know, I feel like that relation, you know, can drive us deeper in this conversation, man. You, you describe the societal narrative of the man and, you know, how you're supposed to take care of everything. They're supposed to cry to you, the senator. In those narratives, you may be a strong person, but through the years, because you've been trying for years, there'll be cracks in your confidence. There'll be cracks in the armor. And those narratives will make you question, you know what I'm saying, uh, who you are as a man. And mm-hmm. uh, 
there may be times where you maybe feel like emasculated by the entire situation. These things happen. It's very tough. So, I, but there's a part yeah. of us that has to recognize, you know, every human being wants status, right? And right. being the partner or or the son of someone, you know, you have a direct relation to them, and being who you were at the time and being who I am at the time, currently, you're direct proponent of pain to that person you're lowering their status by you know uh because their their friends will come around whether it's your mother or whether it's your wife and they'll say why are you with this person and make them feel bad and uh because of this relationship that you have with them, i'm sure a lot of things become strained you know uh you, you know i recall a video of yours you you perceive your mother as controlling during a particular mm. point in time and so the way these relationships react under pressure, d- did it at any point in time or does it now shift your your perception uh, on what love is or, you know, the potential and capacity of love? Do you feel like it's a less condition, you know, a conditional thing or a limited thing? Well, it definitely, that's such a great question. It definitely got me to a place and I'm not there a hundred percent of the time, but it definitely got me to a place of understanding conditioned love versus conditional love. Uh, or sorry, unconditional love versus unconditional love. And I think back then it was very much conditional love. It was like, if my mom supported me, then I will be happy. And then I will love her. If my mom said the right things and did the right thing in the right way that I wanted her to, then I would be happy and, and, and experience, you know, I, I would love her. And there were moments where I would go to my parents' house just to get out of my in-laws house and go and work. And every day that I would go to my parents' house, that's what exactly what my mom said to me was, are you sure you don't want to get a job? You should go get a job. Now, granted, my dad had a business and it went under and it left them in a lot of financial strain. So seeing her son also with no college degree, dropping out, trying to start a business, struggling for two years, coming in every day to go do it, it probably didn't sit very well with her, which so I get it now. But I perceived it very much as controlling. My mom is super controlling. She wants to control this. She doesn't get it, blah, 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 blah. And it led to a lot of friction in our relationship because love was conditional. And it wasn't until I went to a, um, a seminar type of thing called Landmark Forum that I understood this idea of, of attaching meaning to things. And what that, what that essentially what I mean is an event will happen. And as humans, we attach some meaning to it. And a lot of times we're not even aware that we're attaching meaning to it. So when I would walk into the house, an event would occur. My mom would say words to me. Then my brain would automatically associate your mom is controlling. Mom is controlling. Mom is controlling. And that became my reality. That's how I lived my life as my mom was controlling. And I was able to look back and then go, you know what? That's the meaning that you're giving it. Is that meaning helping you? Is it empowering you? No, it's causing pain. It's causing suffering. And if I'm in pain and suffering, how on earth could I be that business owner that needs to, that, that, or how do I be the business owner that's going to grow a successful business? I'm like, you can't. So I started giving it a new meaning. I started going like, oh, my mom actually loves me and she's trying to protect me in the way she knows how, because that is what was happening, right? And from her perspective. And I started to live in that meaning and that shifted everything for me. And it got me to a place now where, um, I operate from compassion as much as I can. Again, I'm not perfect, but it's something I definitely strive for and operate with love almost like as, as much as I can. And if I don't, I'm able to recognize it and shift it. 
even with my kids, um, like, you know, having kids is not easy. Sometimes they do stuff that like in the moment really pisses you off and you're just like, you little, you little <laughs> rat. Like I, <laughs> I need you to like clean up your room or whatever. And you, as a parent, you get angry, right? Right off the bat. And I'm like, wow, I'm really not living in full love for them in that moment. And I'm able yeah. to shift and um, communicate with them differently and just realize like, they're just little kids, Brandon. Like they're not going to listen to you all the time. It doesn't, doesn't mean it needs to affect your internal state and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean that, that moment that you're talking about with my mom, it definitely was like the foundation of sparking uh, a lifelong journey for me of, of trying to operate from compassion and love, like all the time. And even hopefully I think it comes through my content and stuff as well. Like I just, yeah. I just want to help people. Like, I don't, I don't even care if you don't even like me. Like, I'm still going to help you if you need it. Like you could, you could call me out. You could do whatever you want on social media. You can leave the worst comments in the world, but if we meet in person and you need help and you're suffering, I'm going to help you. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. And that, that moment was really the spark um, for me operating from, from that place. Yeah, man. I, I love how you answered that question. It, it, it was a great overview. Um, but the part of the question, you know, that, that, that I, that I really wanted to highlight because I think it is important is the love received. Now, now I know you, you say truth is assigned, you know, the only real truth, the objective truth is what you can see in a video with no sound. And so you assign meanings to situations in your life, but is there even a fraction of the percent, like a percentage of you that still feels that in terms of love received, you are loved less when you are less successful. Is there even an inkling of you that feels that way? Um, yeah, that's, uh, again, it's another great question. Um, the fact that I even have to think about it wants me to say no um, in today's day and age. But I wouldn't say it for me, it doesn't have anything to do with, um, love. It has mm -hmm. to do with, um, being like an authority leader or someone who's smart. I didn't realize this about myself, but I, I would, because I dropped out of college and because I wanted to be successful and because there's so many people that were like, that is stupid. You need to go to college. You need to get a degree. I was, there's an, there was a, a little bit of me that was like, I'm going to do this to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them. You don't need a college degree to be smart. You don't need a college degree to be successful. And so success, um, I don't think I was chasing love per se. I think what I was chasing was like this acceptance of like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really smart and you're just using a society norm to, to do that. And so I think that if my business failed in today, I would actually have some insecurities about people perceiving me as like not smart or intelligent. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of my biggest insecurities yeah. that I've only recently just realized about, like became self-aware of. Um, yeah. So I think it's less about the love and more about this. Because here's the thing is like, even when I was going through those moments, those hard times, like even with my mom, my mom still loved me. My parents still loved me. Like they opened up their home and let me work there and and all of that stuff. And my wife still loved me. My in-laws still loved me. They didn't, they didn't, they loved me when I was, when I was broke. Um, but for me, it's more, it wasn't about the love. It was about just 
proving to people that I am smart. It was like an insecurity of mine. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel that for sure. Yeah. And so there was a lot that was crammed into this period of time, you know, and I hope people that are listening, you know, realize like, you know, because things get almost surreal when you're at that bottom phase, you know, the relationships and the things that people say and do around you, it gets almost surreal. So I hope a lot of people listen and feel like, you know, wow, like it happens to a lot of people, but there was a lot that happened in that period of time. And there were events around you that were probably pretty destructive that weren't your own. So what did it feel for you when your, your father's business that you worked at went under, what did that feel like? And, and, what are some of the memories associated with that? Like, did you feel any sadness for him or, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I felt a lot of sadness for my dad. Um, you know, my dad has just like any other human has a lot of insecurities as well. And um, yeah. the thing is, it's like so my, tough. so my, we grew up, I grew up and I was, we were, we were definitely, my parents were definitely well off. Like, my, my dad was a fireman and he was a captain and my mom was a nurse, both careers that make a lot of money. Um, and so I didn't realize that as a kid, you know, I was just so, I wasn't, I guess sheltered as, I mean, just, I just, we grew up and yeah. we didn't really, we didn't really have to struggle that much. And I, that was just, that was just my new normal. And then mm-hmm. when I was broke, I was just like, Oh my God. God, I just took all of that stuff for granted. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm like, how do my parents pay for all of that stuff? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. um, I just didn't. I just didn't. You know, it was a big shock. So, my so my dad had all of this success. You know, like that society would tell you, like big house, nice vacations. Like yeah. we, we had multiple cars. You know, and they dumped everything into the business, and he essentially lost everything. And it also led to the divorce uh, of my parents as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, there was, I mean, you could see it, like you can see it a mile away. You can just see that the the company kind of falling apart, but we were always like very hopeful and optimistic that things would change around. So uh, I felt a lot of sadness for my dad because I mean, I really lost everything, like everything. And um, you know, I think there was a lot of shame from my dad as well, because I dropped out of school to go work there. And I, I also had Lyme disease at the time, but that's what, that was going to be my career. I was going to take over the company. And then when it went under, I basically, I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have anything. Um, I was broke. Uh, I had paychecks that were never given to me and cause the money just wasn't there. And um, yeah, it was, it was tough and it led to a strain on a relationship um, for a while. And even today, it's still not the same, but it's definitely something that we're, I'm working on um, with him for sure. But it was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was incredibly uh, tough and I did feel a lot of compassion and stuff from my dad and like, but the thing is, uh, I probably should tell them, tell this to him and not on a pod, <laughs> not on a, not only on yeah, a podcast. Yeah, for sure, man. But yeah. I, but I, I mean, I've had, I've had had this, the conversation you and I are having right now, I've definitely said to him but the thing that i haven't said that i need to is that i probably will later is the amount of respect that i've had for what he's being a business owner now and also having a family and feeling and seeing how much stuff weight is actually on your shoulders 
Um, because not only do I have the responsibility of my family, but I have the responsibility of my employees' families on my shoulder and their mm-hmm. well-being as well. And to have all of that happen and then see the business going down and to know that you're, you know, the responsibility you had is slipping out of your fingers and to, and to know like you're doing everything you can and you just can't help it. That's gotta be really tough. And I really respect him for being able to go through that and come out fine on the other side, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's been quite the experience. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. For sure, man. That's, that, is, that is a whole bunch. Mm. I mean, it, it really is a testament to your strength that you have faith and love, you know, because a lot of people in the world, they witness a lot of things and, and, and they feel like love is very conditional and love is very fleeting. It's based on your status. And I don't feel like this person, like because like you, I've been in a relationship since I was 17 and mm. she was 16 and it's been six years. Um, but a lot of people do feel that way. And so, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, you're probably conscious about it to some level that, okay, well, love is an assortment of variables, but I don't know if we have the time to necessarily dive into that right now. And so I want to go even further back because when, you know, these waves of pain are washing in on you and you're at your lowest and you're in the dark and you're in this valley looking for the next win one of the things that keeps you anchored down or at least in my experience is the fact that you've won before. And so, you know, what the peaks is like, you know, the peak, you know, the height of it's like, and so I want to go back to some of your peaks in early life. Um, and for a lot of people that comes through sporting events and things like that. So if you can go back to running cross country, is there a particular high that you held on through that entire valley that you remember? Like, man, I remember the top. I remember this moment where it was like, you know, complete glory. Yeah. Uh, for me, that was high school and Mm -hmm. I ran, like you said, I ran cross country and track and I started off, I was like middle JV, like middle to back JV. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't make the baseball team. So my parents made me go do track and, uh, I hated it, man. I hated running. Like who enjoys running? It sucks. (laughs) It's, it's the worst. And, uh, unfortunately I just found out I was really good at it. So, um, about halfway through my first year, uh, running, I went from basically back of JV to the number one JV runner to actually running faster than a lot of the varsity guys. And then next year as a sophomore, um, I was the number two runner on the varsity team. I was like one of the top runners in the County. Uh, as a sophomore, I was like the fastest sophomore in the county, one of the soft, fastest sophomores in the state. And then junior yeah. year, I got really hurt. Like I started off junior year undefeated. I went to some of the biggest invitationals wow. in California, completely undefeated. And that was amazing. Like, I mean, there were, I remember one in particular where it was just like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, thousands of runners. And I won, like won the race. Wow. And I remember it being so painful and just pushing through and winning and then having this level of confidence where I'm like, no one can beat me. And I remember running this race against my rival who I've never beaten before. And I remember like going really hard, like two miles into this three mile race. And I'm like, I'm like confused. I'm like, what is he still doing next to me? This doesn't make any sense. Like (laughs) I'm, why is he still here? I should be way ahead of him. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to just go for it. And I just went as hard as I could. And then I eventually dropped him in the last quarter mile of the race and, 
and the last quarter mile, he put like 11 seconds between him and my, which is a lot to do in a quarter mile. And, um, I got injured like that. I went too hard and I pulled a, um, hip flexor uh-huh. and I was out for the rest of my junior year. So when I came back, my senior year it was like a really rocky start, but I remember just growing and getting better and better and better. And California is one of California and Texas are the two States in America where the running is very, very competitive. And so I remember for me, I'm like, I just want to finish top 10 in state. And, uh, I remember crossing the line and, um, was 10th finished 10th in state. And, uh, that was good enough to put me in the top 50 in the United States uh, of runners in high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember crossing that and that was like the high, it was like, okay, you've done it. You're all state, you're an all state runner and, um, got a full ride and all of that stuff. And then, uh, that was like a high, like full ride, an all state runner, top 10, you came back, you did it all. And I was definitely a leader in the team, leader in the County. Um, not not from a running like timestamp standpoint, but just like having people look up to me, leading our team, leading whatever, leading other teams and stuff like that. And then between high school and college, I came into college and I was positioned to be like one of the top three runners in on the, on the division one NCAA UC Irvine team. Like that's to me, that was like, this is huge. And then I, I broke my back and, um, had to like restart all over again. And, um, that was tough. And then I found out I had Lyme disease about two years into college and had to like drop out. So for me, it's always, it, it, like my life has been a up, down, up, down, (laughs) (laughs) man, can I have some consistency for once? Um, and I feel like we have some consistency now. And so it's, yeah, I would say, but those were the early days of just like highs and lows. Um, not as much financial stuff, but definitely like, I mean, back then it was my life, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I can, yeah. <laughs> man, that, it's, it's, it's freakish, man. Like our lives are so like, I didn't complete my junior year either. Won the JV County yeah. title, didn't complete the junior year and did well the senior year was ranked in the state. Um, wow. That, that, that's, that's craziness that, and it that makes everything that happened happens afterwards a little harder because you go to UC Irvine, you, have a back injury, you get Lyme disease, and everybody from your high school team and everybody from your college team, you love them, you love being around them. It makes the sport what it is, especially it's, it's insane that you did all this in California. California is massive and is always competitive mm-hmm. in every sport. But when you go on this journey, the next leg of your journey, being an entrepreneur, all these people disappear. You have to do it alone. It it has to be, you know, that that makes it so tough. You know, you just are by yourself you might be around your wife or your mother but you still are by yourself a lot of people probably don't understand what it is that's going through you you know your mind and going on in your life um but the day you you know placed 10th in the california state do you remember what you did that day or what it was like i remember it was raining and so um we had to run the race in rain and mud and uh, i just remember the only thing I really remember from that day is just feeling a sense of like, you did it. But there was also, I can tell this with a hundred percent accuracy, right. every single moment in my life where I accomplished something like that, hmm. I always had this knowing inside of my body that I was going to do it, that it was going to happen. Like when I beat yeah. my rival, 
set that course record. I was literally confused in the middle of the race of why he was still next to me. Yeah. I was legit yeah. just like, I'm so confused. How is he still here? This doesn't make the any monster. sense. When I, when I, when I got to, when I got to the 10th, when I got 10th in state, I was like, yeah, I knew, I knew I was going to do it. So it was kind of like, there was a sense of accomplishment, but it was kind of like, I already knew it was going to happen when we've wow. had big launches. And when we've, where I am in business right now, I've always known how to knowing that I would eventually get there. I didn't know when or how, but I knew I would get there. Um, and anything that I haven't accomplished in my life that I wanted to, I know that I was lacking a deep sense of knowing that it will happen. So when it comes to running uh, and getting 10th in, in state, there was just a sense of like accomplishment, like, cool, you did it. But it was also like, mm -hmm. all right, well, what's next? We knew that was going to happen and that's amazing. So, yeah, you know, like, let's move on to the next thing now. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, all of this is amazing. It's so amazing. And so, you know, you, you drop out of college. Um, you officially become a deserter of status quo. A bunch of things happen. And so after going through that, you know, that desert, you know, what is the video funnel blueprint? What does that represent to you? What does it mean for your life? Hmm. Man, you really did your research. Um... Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> video funnel blueprint. So, uh, wow. So, okay. Video funnel blueprint was a product I created years ago. Um, I don't even know how you found it. Cause it's not even, <laughs> not even out anymore. I'm just like blown away, but there's actually an amazing story with video funnel blueprint. So when I first got started, I created a product called video overtake university. And that was essentially teaching people how to rank videos online. And that did pretty well. Like that, that did, that was a, a good program. I probably did well. I mean, I did well over six figures with that product. Um, but there was something that came out after that called video funnel blueprint, which is kind of like the aftermath of, of video overtake video overtake was this product that was like, here's how to rank videos. Video funnel blueprint was like, let me show you now that they're ranking how to like create funnels off the back end of that. And back then, I think I was selling video, video overtake for like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, something like that. And I was barely making enough money to pay, pay the bills and like barely. And I mean, we're still living with my in-laws. So if, if I had rent to pay, it wouldn't even have been enough money to pay for rent. So uh, created video funnel blueprint. And back then for me, 497, 500 bucks was a ton of money. And I remember creating it. And we launched it and I did a video series to launch this. And I remember it worked really hard on the scripts. I filmed and edited all of it myself. I did everything myself. It took weeks to, to create, put the whole program together. I mean, it took a long time. Launched the video series and the way video series works for the, those of you who don't know, listeners who may, may not know is you release the free training. You run all of your ads, you do all your promotion, you run them to the free training and then you tell them, we have a program and it's opening up in a couple of days. So then you have to wait until cart opens to see how well it did. It's not like a webinar where you can pitch on the webinar. So cart opens and I had zero sales. I was like, what the heck? I spent all this time, all this money and I'm like freaking out, right? Like there's just not making any sales. I needed this to work. 
I call my buddy, James, um, Wedmore. And he's just like, Oh dude, I should have told you like most sales come in on the last half of a video series launch. They're coming in the beginning, um, which is, it's different now, but back then they, they wouldn't. So, uh, cart later that day, I got one sale. Um, and then through the week, through the four days that cart was open, sales started coming in. And then I took a trip with my wife. Um, I think we were visiting her brother or something like that. And we were driving up, up North and I kept telling her, I'm like, it, cause some sales were coming in. I'm like, it just blows my mind that I can create something out of nothing. Like this didn't exist. I can just go online and I just create something that literally didn't exist. And people are paying me $500 because back then $500 was like mind boggling, life altering, changing, changing money. And, uh, I remember I just, I just, it was just like this weird concept of like, I can't people believe people would pay me this amount of money for something that I created out of freaking nothing, just nothing, put it up on the line, do some marketing. I have an expertise in something people pay me this money. And then by the end of the launch, we had basically done like $6,000 in sales. And so it ended up being a, a pretty decent success. But it was my first big launch because video overtake was always this evergreen product that I would kind of pitch in YouTube videos and stuff. I'd never done a launch. And so it's my first, first launch and um, we did $6,000 with it. And um, to be honest, it was like at the time, the thing I was most proud of because it was like, it was just so good. And it was like, people were paying me 500 bucks for it. And then um, I quickly, slowly after that, I started a new product with James Wedmore and that basically became my life for the next two years after that. But but yeah, that, that was a funny video funnel blueprint. I can't believe you found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of content on the internet, man. Huge amounts of yeah. content on here. Spanning back. I don't even know how long, but you talk about everything under the sun. Um, yeah. You know, uh, comparatively, what was your last launch like? The last, last one that we just did? Yeah. Um, compared to the video funnel blueprint? Yeah. <laughs> well, quite different. Um, cause the last one did 1.6 million. And then this one, the video of one blueprint, it's 6,000. Um, so it, it was very, it obviously very different revenue wise, but there was something that was really different. Um, when we take revenue out of the equation from this most recent launch to this, the other one, which was that I'm more in my purpose now than I've ever been. And back then, I don't think that was my purpose. My, pur like my purpose wasn't, my purpose wasn't to uh, teach people how to create funnels off of YouTube. Like that just wasn't my purpose. And when I look back at it now, it was very much lessons I needed to learn to get me to where I am today. Like to get me to fulfill on my purpose, I needed to learn lessons and get that experience. And I think that's the biggest difference is I was launching from purpose versus launching from lesson gaining or knowledge gaining or knowing gaining. And back then I didn't, I didn't see that, but I can so clearly see it now is like, that was purely just for me to get experience and all of that stuff. Now in this last launch, it was very purpose-driven. I'm doing the work that I want, I need to do, like what I came down to do. I'm doing that now, but also I'm doing something now that is so unique and so different than anything else that anyone's talking about. I think the online space has been going one direction for a really long time. And I'm like, kind of like, Hey guys, that doesn't, that that's not necessarily the best way to do things anymore because we've been doing it for 10 years that way. The market's changed. Things have changed. It, this is where we need to like start moving to. 
And, um, and when you can kind of create that and, and create new norms inside of your space, much like what we're doing with thought reversals and stuff like that, you start to create demand. You start to create demand for what you sell. It's kind of like Simon Sinek. He goes up and gives a great, amazing TED talk that shifts people's perspective and gets them to see and think differently. He's not going to have to work really hard to sell you something, right? He does an 18 minute TED talk. It blows your mind. You're like, oh my God, I've never thought of leadership that way. If he was to say, hey, here's a program on leadership, go and buy it. People would line up and go buy it because they have this demand built up inside of them. Like I need to work and listen to what he's saying because it's blowing my mind. And I never thought of something that way. And that's what this last launch did for a lot of people was create that inside of them. And, and that was a lot of fun. So it was a lot more fun, obviously a lot more revenue, but really more importantly, and it's creating a lot more impact in the world and in people's lives than video funnel blueprint or video overtake or even local video Academy ever, ever did. And so it's been, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to see, to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. For certain, man, it is, it's, it's, it's mind blowing and it's mind blowing. Can't wait to experience some of these things in my own life. Um, yeah. I do have a final question um, sure. because it is surviving a cancel podcast. So you do a lot when it comes to psychology. Like you, you, you literally plant these landmines that break and reshift, you know, um, people's internal beliefs, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm about external life, internal life, vehicle, false beliefs, you break and reshift these things. You, you change the way people think and therefore the way they behave. And mm. this goes so far even beyond business into, into life at large, as we discussed before. You know, the, every dictatorship in the world formed this way through content, yeah. you know, that featured, you know, thought reverses or, you know, epiphany bridge stories. Um, but how is it, because it is survivor to cancer, that you would use this, these newfound techniques and strategy and understanding of human psychology and nature to survive the cancer. So if you can go back to the valley, if you can go back to the desert where everything's dark and you've become a desert of the status quo. And um, obviously the people around you, there are false beliefs that are stopping them from engaging in, you know, your journey and the things that you believe in your lifestyle, you know, how is it that you can use what you know now now, sometimes obviously it's impossible, but just in hypothetical senses to, to, to get them on board and have them believe in you so that you never have to go through the things that you went through. Well, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I'm going to answer it two different ways. My first answer is, is number, number one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change the way they think to support me. Um, and one of the reasons why is because of, I've learned over the years to not be influenced by external things. Like I don't operate out of fear of getting canceled. I don't operate out of the fear of getting haters. I don't operate out of the fear of people supporting me. Not it's like, I know what I want to say. I know the change I want to make. I'm aware of a lot of these things. And if I realize I need to make a shift in some way, then, then I do it, but it's all internally driven based off of who I am, what feels good and not needing external validation. So one answer is like, I wouldn't go back and, and change that because it, that would not, to me today, that would not have an impact on me. However, if I was to go back and like, you gave me the, the mission, like just say, Hey, Brandon, here's your mission. Go back yeah, and shift their, their perspective. Um, the, the, one of the most powerful ways to 
shifts someone's perspective because all of those things are belief driven, right? Like they've all been indoctrinated into this society norm of, or conditions to think you need to get a job, save up money, buy a house. That is what everyone does. Therefore that's what everyone should do. And that like, again, it's just, it's such a lack of critical thinking. It's a lack of like, is there other ways to live my life? Does this really make me happy? Like people just don't question things anymore, but they believe those that way to be true. And that's what was happening is our friends or family were like, Brandon's operating outside of what we believe to be the right way to do things. And which is just so stupid. It's like, whoever said that was the right way to do something. It just doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. So anyways, one of the best ways to snap someone out of that conditioning is to show them proof of the opposite. And so if they came to me and they were like, Hey, you need to be in order to be successful. You got to go get that nine to five. You got to work and guarantee and blah, 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 all the stuff. I would just find counterexamples of people that didn't do that. I would find counterexamples of even, not even just like millionaires, but just a counterexample of someone who's just like making a hundred thousand dollars a year and living their life completely free. Or even someone who's making $50,000 a year on their own, completely free. And to me, that's what wealth is. Wealth is not about having money. Wealth is about having something that is producing you income, um, that is producing more income than what your expenses are. Like I've, I know people that are making $50,000 a year from some website they created, but they live such a, a minimalistic life that it pays for more than what they need. And they live an amazing free life where they wake up every day and they do exactly what they want. They go hiking, they can go ride their bike. And I'm like, that person, that person's winning. That person has figured life out. So what I would do is find those counterexamples and be like, look, here's, um, uh, here's the example of X, Y, and Z. And then what I would do is use a pattern called hierarchy of criteria, which is moving their thinking to a higher thing of what's more important. And I would say, here's an example of da, 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 da. And this is the way I want to live my life. It would literally kill me on the inside if I had to go get a job. Are you telling me I need to, like, it's more important for me to go kill myself on the inside and get a job than it is to chase my dreams and live my life like this person? Is that what you're saying to me? And then when you start to do that, you start to get them to look at things from a different higher, like a higher perspective. It tends to decide to shift the thinking because they didn't see it that way, right? So you're just trying to take their belief and get them to see their belief from a different perspective and angle that'll eventually get them to snap out of the perspective that they were holding and then get them to, to shift. Does that make sense? Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. That's beautiful. Um, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, is there anything you want to add? No, I just, I just got to say and commend you. Like no one has, I've been on a lot of podcast interviews and no one's ever asked me the questions that you asked me. And there's a lot of things in this podcast that I've never talked about. Um, and I appreciate that because sometimes you get on podcasts and it's like the same thing over and over and over again, but there's depth, (laughs) there's like, you know, there's depth to what you're doing and the way you ask questions in interview. And I'm grateful for that. I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thank you, man. That means a tremendous amount to me. It really does. I got a little tingles. Um, so I really, really do appreciate that. But everyone, y'all, y'all can find more from Brandon Lucero at brandonlucero.com, right? That's yep. The most Brandon Lucero, yep. Brandonlucero.com mm-hmm. or just follow us on Instagram at I am Brandon mm-hmm. or our podcast, New Generation Entrepreneur Podcast. 
yeah, go and listen to the new generation entrepreneur podcast, man. It'll, it'll blow your mind, but man, appreciate you coming on. You know, you wanted in the earlier stages to make more than 10 K a month. You shattered that and you went on to success, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.